0: Good evening, Chicago. You're listening to Inspirational Perspective. I'm your host, Emmanuel Leonard, sending in for Lonnell Harris, Chicago's very own life coach, right here on WVON 1690 AM, The Talk of Chicago. Inspirational Perspective on your radio is all about murdering mediocrity and living the best life possible. So, as Linnell asks you every Saturday night at 10 PM Central Standard Time, are you living the best life possible? If the answer is yes, keep listening. What you listen to on here will keep you on track. If the answer is no, keep listening. What you hear will make you so dissatisfied with that mediocre and toxic lifestyle that you can't help but change. Again, I'm your host, Emmanuel Leonard. I serve as the Director of Creative Services for Inspirational Perspective. I'll be sending in for Linnel this week and next week as Linnell is on vacation. The topic for tonight is the power of the mind. I've compiled a couple of clips that discuss this tool that Linnell often talks about. But before we get into tonight's topic, make sure you follow Linnell on social media. Go to Facebook and like the Facebook page, Inspirational Perspective. You can also follow Linnell on Twitter, Periscope, and Instagram at Linnell Harris. That's L-I-N-A-L Harris. So again, the topic for tonight is the power of the mind. The first clip I'll share was from the episode, Your Mind, Your Strongest Strength, Your Weakest Weakness, Part 2. This aired on February 7th, 2015.
1: While I was in San Diego, Friday before I left, I had the opportunity to go to the Navy SEAL base where they train Navy SEALs and also where I think about seven of the Navy SEAL teams are based. And uh, I got a a chance to get a behind-the-scenes look at how the Navy SEALs train, and I also got a a very up-close look at the weapons they use. And I bring this up because I'll be talking a lot about the mind. And one of the things that I learned in – Getting this behind-the-scenes look at Navy SEAL training is that that training is all about the mind. And a real quick observation from my time on the base, and then I'll I'll dive into the topic. But while I was there, I noticed a few things, and and you guys you know this about me I'm very observant, right? I'm just I'm taking all this in. I was excited to be there. I mean, literally in the same space with you know the baddest soldiers on the planet. And so I'm just kind of taking it all in. And uh, a friend of mine was touring me through. And what I noticed is while I was there, every now and then I would see a group of soldiers or maybe two, always in pairs at least though, running wherever they had to go. And so when I first got on the base, there was, you know, two soldiers that had their fatigues on and big bags, caps, and they were trotting, right? And the bags were big and they were kind of in this trot going wherever they had to go. And then later I saw the same thing and I kept seeing it, you know, different places. And some were dressed different. Others had on their workout fatigues, camouflage. And uh, I asked uh, my friend London, who gave me the tour, I said, hey, what's going on here? Like, why are the soldiers... Running everywhere they have to go. He said, what he told me is, any soldier that you see running, um, or any SEAL in training, that's what they are, SEALs in training, that you see running, from the time they get there and they start their training, nine-month training, and remember, they're already soldiers when they get there, right? The best of the best. And so when they start this nine-month training, from the time they get there to the time they graduate, if they have to go somewhere, they have to basically run. It's, it's not necessarily like a hardcore run. It's more of like a, a jog trot, but they have to run. And so he said, basically, unless they're sleeping, eating, or using the bathroom, they have to run. Now, I brought that up because what their commanding officers are doing or those training officers are doing It's programming their minds. Think about this. If for nine months, that is how you relate to going somewhere, then there is no other speed than a jog trot. So in battle, even if you're wounded, you think you have to keep that pace because you've been trained mentally to keep the pace and your body has been trained to keep that pace. This is how powerful our mind is. It just blew me away, right? And That's just one aspect of the training. I can't go into everything I learned, but we're talking all about the mind. And I shared this last week, but if you shift your mind, you can shift your world.
0: These soldiers were training their minds to keep trotting so that when it mattered, it would come automatically. This is how powerful our minds are. And that's the setting I want to come in tonight. Like Linnell said, if you shift your mind, you can shift your world. We think we are limited, but tonight we're going to explore all the power we have just because of the way we choose to use our mind and how we think. Our next clip is from the episode Feeding Your Potential Part 1. It aired August 1st, 2015. In this clip, Linnell uses a creative illustration on how we put limits on ourselves. When a baby
1: elephant is born into captivity and a trainer wants to ensure that he can control the elephant when he becomes bigger, what he does is he places a rope on one of the calf's legs, right? The elephant is still a calf, it's still small, and he places a rope on the calf's leg, and the rope is attached to a sturdy wooden post that they beat into the ground, okay? And this is the first and most important step the trainer will take to keep the elephant within a certain proximity for the rest of its life, okay? This is a very important step that the trainer takes. And this wooden post will cause the rope to pull on the calf's leg whenever it tries to move out of the allotted proximity that the trainer has provided. And this is why the calf is small. And so when the elephant is young, his primal instinct is to be free, right? When we're children, and I'm taking this to us right away. When we're children, our primal instincts are to be great. You ask a child who they want to be. You know, they don't give you mediocre and average things, right? They always say something that is above average. I want to be an astronaut. Think about an astronaut. An astronaut actually goes out and meets the stars, okay? I want to be the president, and I want to be LeBron James. They want to be great. And so a child identifies with greatness. And so when the elephant is young, his primal instinct is to be free. And so this calf, when it's young, will enthusiastically pull against the post day after day. And he'll tug and he'll keep pulling and he'll tug and pull and tug and pull until after tugging for a few years and never pulling free, the young elephant will give up. The young elephant will give up. Thus, before the elephant can even vaguely begin to understand his future potential and power he is convinced that he is powerless. What about us? So the child gets into a classroom where he hits barriers. Maybe he doesn't learn like the other children. Maybe she doesn't understand things the way they're being taught as quickly as other children. And please understand, I'm I'm being very careful with my language, okay? You know, she doesn't understand The way she's being taught, like the other children, has nothing to do with her greatness, has nothing to do with her intellectual capacity or ability. But the way she's being taught doesn't resonate with her. Okay, and so this child might feel like they're pulling, they're tugging, they're pulling, they're tugging. And what they're being taught at a young age is that they are powerless that they're not smart, that they can't achieve great things, that they can't do whatever it is that they want to do on this earth. And so take this back to the elephant, 13,000 pounds and a decade later, this elephant can be bound with the same rope to the same wooden post And totally confined. Totally confined. Confined not because he can be contained, but confined because he believes it is useless to tug. So because some of us encountered so many barriers and so much resistance so early in our lives, we've become confined. We're contained. We go to work every day, 9 to 5. We sit in traffic. We listen to the same radio station. We sit down at our desk. We do the same work. We leave at the same time. And then we get back in the car. We listen to the same radio station. And we go home and we do the same things. We eat the same meals and watch the same shows. Confined. Confined. Confined, but not contained. Confined, not because we can be contained, but confined because we believe that it's useless to tug. And so we become confined in our minds, just like the elephant. Because the boundary is now in the elephant's head, not in the system, okay? And for many of us, the boundary is in our heads, It's not in the system because the system is an illusion. And many of us are just like this elephant when it comes to pursuing our dreams, goals, and aspirations, right? We've tugged, we've pulled, we've tugged, we've pulled, we've tugged and we've pulled so long that at some point we gave up. And when we truly had the power and the greatness to move, we didn't because we were so used to being confined. We we're so used to being contained. We thought to ourselves, no, nah, not me. I can't do that. No, they've got the wrong person. They need to call someone else. I'm not that guy. And it's all in the mind. And like that wooden post, the system is weak in comparison to our untapped potential and power. In fact, many of the systems that seemingly confined us in the past have completely broken down or changed. I mean, in the past, I've shared how the information age has brought everything to our fingertips. I've had other shows about. All the ways the world is at our fingertips. And. Unfortunately, because the world we grew up in, we pushed, we tugged, we pushed, we tugged. We feel like it's not possible. I can't reach my potential. Some of us have even robbed ourselves of what we thought was potential. No, I, I can't do that. I thought I could, and, well, that was when I was young and silly. That was when I thought I could do anything. Now, I'm older and I see the system that's in place. They'll never let me. They'll never let me. And just like that elephant who tugged and pulled and tugged and pulled, we find ourselves contained. And here it is We have 13 pounds of power, 13,000 pounds of power like the elephant, and we're confined because it's all in the mind.
0: We have 13,000 pounds of power like the elephant, and we're confined because it's all in the mind. I dare you to consider what's confining you, what's holding you back. We think we're powerless. And that's only because we're confined by the limitations we put on ourselves. But like Linnell said, the boundary is in our head and not in the system. Our next clip is also from Feeding Your Potential Part 1 that aired on August 1st, 2015. In this clip, Linnell discusses the magic of thinking big.
1: I was talking to a friend of mine last night. And, uh... He shared that one of the books that he loves is called The Magic of Thinking Big. The Magic of Thinking Big. I haven't read the book yet, but you know I wrote it down, and you know I'm about to consume it as soon as I get a chance. But The Magic of Thinking Big. Here's the thing. Some of us are even afraid to think big. Why are you afraid to think big? Nobody's even in there with you. I can't read your thoughts. (laughs) And the reason we're afraid to think big is because we just do not like disappointment and we do not want to disappoint ourselves. Time out for that. Time out for being confined in your mind. Time out for being contained. It's time to tug. It's time to pull because you just might uproot that wooden post and find that your confinement was nothing more than an illusion.
0: That book was The Magic of Thinking Big by David J. Schwartz for anyone who's interested in checking out the book. Like Linnell said, some of us are afraid to think big. He said it's time out for thinking small, that our confinement is an illusion, just like the elephant. The elephant thought that he was stuck at that post, that he had to stay there, but he didn't have to stay there. It's not in the system. It's in our heads. The next clip we'll listen to is in the episode, The Power of Focus, that aired on August 14th, 2016. In this clip, Linnell discusses how to use your mind to accomplish your goals.
1: So how do we increase our ability to focus? Well, the first one is clarity of mind with your goals. Clarity of mind with your goals. So first and foremost, what are the top three things you want to accomplish in your life this year? If you don't know that, then that is the first step to stepping out of the fog into focus. I mean, this is your life. It's not my life. It's your life. If you don't know with clarity the top three things that you want to get done, you want to establish for yourself, you intend to create in your life, if you don't know those things, then that's one of the reasons why you're not focused. Right off the top. That's number one, clarity of mind. And if you got a pen and paper, I'll tell you, write it down. But number one is clarity of mind. You might say, Linnell, how do I clear my mind? I got so much stuff going on. How do I even begin to set a goal? Well, first and foremost, get clear on, hey, what is it that I want to achieve? Even if it's by the end of the year, it could be a new job. It could be additional income. But here's the thing. If you begin focusing on that not on the negative of not having it, but focusing on what it would be like when you get it, and you just keep your mind there, the mind is powerful enough to begin creating solutions and ideas to make that goal a reality. But it takes focus. It takes focus. It's interesting. I was reading a book not too long ago that basically said that the majority of us only use about 3 to 4% capacity of our brain. 3 to 4%. And the major reason why we only use 3 to 4% is because we move around allowing our subconscious to do all the work. We're not being consciously authoritative over what is happening in our lives, saying, "Yes, I will look at that. Nope, I won't look at that." Like we're not using the full capacity of our brain. We're just kind of going with the flow and what it said is just doubling it which is possible mind you human beings at our height we can we, we can use 11% of our brain so just doubling that to 6 or 8% increases focus immediately
0: so in order to focus and accomplish your goals you need to have a clear mind Linnell said to think about what you want to achieve and focus on that He said that the mind is powerful enough to begin creating solutions and ideas to make that goal a reality. Do you struggle with focusing? You want to know how to increase your ability to focus? Make clarity of mind your priority. So in order to set your goals, you have to have a clear mind. If you're just joining us you're listening to Inspirational Perspective on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I'm your host, Emmanuel Leonard, the creative director for Inspirational Perspective, sitting in for Linnell Harris. Tonight we're talking about, well, more so we're thinking about the power of the mind. And I've compiled clips from different recordings of Inspirational Perspective, where Linnell discussed the power of the mind. The next clip we have Is from the recording, Your Mind, Your Strongest Strength, Your Weakest Weakness, Part 3, that aired February 14th, 2015. In this clip, Linnell discusses the secret to strengthening our minds.
1: I want to talk about how we strengthen our minds, okay? Because one way is to begin is being very clear about what we talk about and what we don't talk about. But then another way is to become conscious and aware of what we're thinking about. And all too often, I continue to find that the greatest nemesis that I have is locked deep within me. And this nemesis is not only an enemy to me, but it is an enemy to all of us. And this adversary makes itself at home in our minds and creates thoughts, doubts, and emotions that slowly chip away at our inner pride and self-confidence. And this nemesis, or what I will call this voice, right? Because in our minds, that's basically what we're contending with, is these voices. This voice, this nagging and discouraging whisper always seems to be alive and well, regardless of how good things are or how bad they may be. So if all is well, if everything is going well, this voice will mumble, well, for how long? How long will things go well? Surely this can't last. Are you guys familiar with this? And if things are bad, this voice will mutter, well, you sure made a mess of this <laughs> i don't even know why you try you should just quit and it's this internal rival that can extinguish aspirations it can erase ideas it dismantles dreams and if given full control this antagonist would probably take over until it has ruined our lives completely and this enemy or this voice has a lot of names and it's the same voice, the same enemy that has us calling ourselves bad names. And the names that it typically goes by are names like self doubt, self pity, shame, distrust, and the list goes on and on. And regardless of the name you choose, this thing, this cancerous notion inside of us is nothing but negative. And if you know what and who it is when it speaks. Then. You can do something about it. Now. Here's the rules. Whatever power it has to destroy you. Is given to it by you. You have full control. So in order to basically maintain the control over this voice, you have to raise your level of thinking because that really is the only way to crush this voice or this enemy that's inside of us, this self-doubt, the self-pity, the shame, the distrust. So whatever you can't do, you can't do because that's what you believe. And whatever you won't do, you won't do because you simply refuse and whatever you've tried and then fail. Well, that's okay. Cause you're still here. Right. And if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And I stole that from an old school minister from the church I grew up in called elder Duggar. If at first you don't succeed, try again try again and so the biggest weapon you have against this arch enemy that we call self-doubt or or uh self-pity shame and distrust is really your own self-confidence and your ability to exercise self-affirmation so if this voice whispers you can't you have to tell yourself you can. And guess what? You might have to say it out loud and there might be people around. But who cares what they think when you know what you think? (laughs) And so you might have to say it 10 times every time you hear that wicked whisper and refuse to listen. If you hear you can't, you might have to say you can 10 times like, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Ten times. But whatever it is, we have to begin to take some type of action against that voice of self-pity, self-doubt, shame, distrust. Because if, as long as you let it run the show, then that is what's running the show. And if you want to take over the show, then you have to starve the voice. And how do you starve the voice? Well... You start speaking in a brand new voice. And here's the deal. Maybe it won't die. But what you can do is you can make it extremely weak. And how you starve something is just by not feeding it. So stop listening. And if you feel like you can't stop listening, then put something else on that you can listen to. Even if it's your voice saying that you can over and over again, if you got to loop it, then do whatever it takes. You know, I'm, (laughs) sometimes i wonder if you guys are really following what i'm saying like if you really really want to achieve something if you really want to get your self-confidence up like if you have confidence issues you got to remember that confidence is a behavior lack of self-confidence is a behavior behaviors are habits and that means that you just have a lack of self-confidence habit how do you break a habit well, you have to build a new one. How do you build a new one? You do something over and over and over again. It's that simple and it's that complex. And the reason I say complex is because you have to be persistent. You have to lock in on something as and say that is what I want. I no longer want to lack confidence. I want to have self-confidence. I will be confident. Therefore, I will tell myself every day that I am confident. And you do it over and over and over again. And you begin to feed your brain and strengthen your mind that way. But you strengthen your mind by raising your level of thinking and realistically affirming the positive and visualizing, visualizing and dwelling on your aspirations and dreams. And I hear people all the time say, well, I have a hard time. You know, I don't think I can produce my dreams or it just seems to be too far away from me. But you don't you really don't think about your dreams. You're not visualizing this stuff. You're not really giving over to it because if you were, you would produce it because that's the only thing on your mind. But, you know, it's a nice to have. It's something that you think about that makes you feel good, but you're not really connected to that dream. You're not really connected to the aspiration, because if you were, you would go get it. And that's what I'm saying tonight. Like, it's time out for romanticizing about what it is that we want, and it's time to actually put our money where our mouth is. Go get it. Invest in yourself. It's fascinating. As a coach, I talk to people all the time, and they well, I want to know how much your services cost, Linnell, or I want to know what training you went through to get where you got. And as soon as they hear a price, they're like, ah, well, not so much. That's because you don't really want it when you have something you want you go get it there are people right now driving cars they can't afford because they figured out how to make it work but then you can't make your dream work you aspirate because you don't want it bad enough all of our possibilities and exponential potential is a matter of how we master our minds if there is any muscle that a human should exercise It is the unquivocal, unquivocally, (laughs) I can't say it, but you know what I'm talking about. It is the muscle of the mind. What are you doing tonight to strengthen yours?
0: So what are you doing to strengthen your mind? Are you listening to the lies of self-doubt, self-pity, shame, distress, etc.? Our minds have the power to be self-defeating, but we can have control over those lies. Liddell said, in order to crush it, you have to raise your level of thinking. We choose to believe the lies, and in order to overcome them, we must talk against the lies. We have to take action against them. In order to change our thinking, we must change our behavior. This next clip is one of my favorites. It's from the episode Pieces of Me and My Story that aired March of last year. In this clip, Linnell is being interviewed by his friend David Anderson about his life. When David asked Linnell, what were the events that took you to the next level? This clip is Linnell responding to that question. Let's listen in.
1: So there there were a couple. One in particular was my mom. Okay who was like, go back to school, go back to school, go back to school. I mean, relentless. And it's funny because at the time, it got on my nerves. <laughs> I mean, it just got, I was like, oh, man, I can't get out this house fast enough. Right? But it being in my head, I'm like, okay, maybe I need to go back to school. And then the, the second person was a gentleman at the Jewel's Warehouse, one day I'm I'm running through the warehouse and mind you I'm 23 years old and you I mean you got guys who who still work there I mean it's a respectable job and they they get paid well it's a hard job and one of the gentlemen there pulled me to the side and he said look man you know at lunch sometimes I talk to you and I observe you you're different mm. and you're still young Why don't you go figure out how to use your brain to make this kind of money versus your muscle? Wow. And that that clicked something for me. I was like, I knew I was smart. I graduated high school in three years, man, top of my class. So I knew it wasn't a matter of aptitude and intelligence. It was just more a matter of discipline, And so something clicked, and I thought, man, he's right. I can lift these boxes right now. But I I remember seeing some of these cats, you know, go out on workman's comp, get injured. And I knew that if I stayed there, I would be in the same situation, and I would hit an income ceiling. Yep. And so what I decided to do was look for another job.
0: So how are you choosing to use your mind? That man challenged Linnell to think differently. He said, why don't you figure out how to use your brain to make this kind of money versus your muscle? Linnell often talks about how we have untapped potential. That older man challenged Linnell to unlock that untapped potential. And Linnell took him up on that challenge. He decided to find a job where he can use his brain. And I think that's what the power of the mind is all about. It's trying to take us to the next level where we can use the potential that we have. But a lot of times we're unaware of. This next clip is from the recording, The Information Age Part 3, that was aired on September 6, 2014. In this clip, Linnell talks about investing in your mind.
1: There's a quote by Benjamin Franklin that I'll share that comes to mind, and it's, if a man empties his purse into his head, no one can take it away from him. An investment in knowledge always pays the best interest. Nobody can take it from you. So this is the 21st century. We live in a digital age where information is plentiful and free. And gaining new knowledge can be as simple as surfing the Internet once a day or just taking up something enlightening to read. But what I would say is make a commitment to invest in you. And an investment like this will pay interest to you. I know it will. And everyone else who benefits from your wisdom. So your family, your children, you know, it's crazy. But think about this. An investment in knowledge today can actually set up your Legacy where your children and your children's children actually experience this life in a different way because you invested in yourself today. And I think sometimes we think about it just as surface, but we don't understand the ripple effect that the things that we do now have generations from now. And so what are you doing for your children? What are you doing for your children that aren't here What are you doing for your grandchildren that aren't here? Or or in some cases, your great grandchildren that aren't here. Just another way for us to think about that. So make a commitment to invest in you and yours. An investment like this will pay interest to you and everyone else who benefits from that wisdom. And knowledge is the impetus of everything and every dream. And in, you know, in my case, I believe knowledge is just pure inspiration.
0: So investing in your mind, whether that means furthering your education or listening to a self-help podcast or book, investing in your mind will take you a long way and it will have effects for generations because when you invest in yourself, you invest in your life and everyone who is affected by your life. The next clip is another favorite of mine. It's from the recording, What Makes a Person Successful? It aired on June 28th, 2014. In this clip, Linnell shares a story about never allowing constraints to be put on your, our minds.
1: Let's spend some time on believing you can. And the best way for me to do this is to tell you guys about an interaction I had recently with Mr. Marty Nesbitt. OK, now some of you know that name. And so about a month or two ago, I had the opportunity to be part of of an intimate panel interview with Martin Nesbitt or who we refer to as Marty Nesbitt. Okay. And Mr. Nesbitt, for those of you who don't know, is a well-known successful businessman here in Chicago. And he's also the best friend of president Barack Obama. All right. So during the panel discussion, Mr. Nesbitt shared an interesting exchange. He and the president had about his potential candidacy before he was in the first election. All right. And, you know, so Marty went on to say, you know, doing a brief conversation, Barack and I had this following exchange. And this is what I caught from the exchange from my notes. Okay, And so President Obama at the time, who wasn't president, who was a first term senator, having conversation with Marty, said, hey, Marty, I believe I can be president of the United States. And Mr. Nesbitt admitted to us, he said, I was a bit shocked initially, but he said after absorbing the statement he knew his friend was serious, right? He knew his friend didn't make idle statements. And then Mr. Nesbitt went on to share. If he, I'm talking about Barack Obama was sharing that he believed he could be the president of the United States. It was only because he truly believed he could be the president. And then Mr. Nesbitt went on to say, Barack Obama didn't believe he had any constraints on him. And when he set sight on being president of the United States, That's what he did. All right, so pause. He did not believe he had any constraints on him. Now imagine this. I know some of you guys have policy, you know, you don't like what he's doing, whatever. Put all that to the side and let's sit on number two, believing you can in regards to success. Let's take a lesson, okay? If Barack Obama felt like he was inadequate, For the office of president of the United States, because he had brown skin, he would have never run. He would have never run. He would have been defeated by himself before he ever took action towards presidential candidacy. Do you all understand what I'm saying right now? That sometimes. We have a feeling of inadequacy that constrains us and actually holds us back from doing the things that we should be doing and taking the positions, taking the things that we're supposed to take. And it's time out for that. We must stop placing the constraints on ourselves before the constraint is ever placed. Period. And the funny thing is, Mr. Nesbitt, inside the narrative On the president's thought process, he says this like he does not place constraints on himself. And here's the funny thing. When Barack Obama, Senator Barack Obama announced his candidacy, one of the first things I said is, oh, it's too soon. He can't win as a first term senator. All right. You know, boy, was I wrong. All right. But what if he had placed that constraint on himself? What constraints are you placing on yourself? And I got to tell you, I got to check myself because I've placed constraints on myself at times when somebody says, hey, do you think you can do that? Nah, I don't think so. It's time out for that. Yes. If it's for me, I can do it. Period. It doesn't matter the color of my skin. And some people out there may disagree, but it doesn't because we're all children of God. I've said it before, but we all have a spirit. And we all have the power to say what it is that we want, to do what it is that we want. We can affirm ourselves. And so it's time out for putting constraints on ourselves. Because if you say you can't do it, then there's nothing I can do to stop it. That's the way it's going to be. And so until you lift that constraint off yourself, then there's nothing you can do. And some of us aren't successful simply because we don't believe we can be. Period. That's the problem. So. Back to Barack Obama. Not only did this man believe he could be president and he didn't just do it once. He did it twice. And for a lot of us that thought he couldn't, we were wrong and we were wrong for placing the constraint on him. And thank God he didn't place constraints on himself. What if Martin Luther King had placed constraints on himself? Oh, I'm too young. He gave the I have a dream speech before he turned 40 years old. What if he had feelings of inadequacy, not just around his skin, but also around his age, like it's time out for that? There are some young people out here who are gifted. I hope you hear this. It doesn't matter if you have something to bring, then you bring it, period, because I know I've heard you can't. I've heard you won't, and I've done a lot of the things that people told me that I couldn't do. I was told I would never be a good communicator, but I believe I am. I mean, you're listening to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? I was told I would never be a leader of people, but I am. And so it's time out for letting people put constraints on us, but it's definitely time out for us putting constraints on ourselves, period. This is your story. This is your life. This is my story. This is my life. And so who am I to one place a constraint on myself and definitely who am I to place a constraint on anyone else, especially when I know the constraints others try to place on me. And so the only real damage that can be done to me is by me when I place constraints on myself, because I'll tell you that nobody else is going to do it. If there's something for me, I'm going for it. And I'm telling you guys It should be the exact same for you. And we've gotten it from some of the best. Henry Ford, he had the quote, if you think you cannot do a thing or think you can't do a thing, you are right, period. So others will always place constraints on you. They will. So what? Who cares? What's important is that you don't place constraints on yourself.
0: I love that story. He did not believe he had any constraints. I think that story is mind-blowing. Here, Barack Obama decides to run for president of the United States of America, believing he can do it and believing that he can win. Never mind that there's never been a black president. Never mind that he hasn't been a senator long. He believed that he could do it, and he believed he didn't have any constraints on himself. I love that. Again, just like the story with the elephant, we're only constrained by the limits we set on ourselves. So this is our final clip, and it's from The Secret of Mastering Your Mind that aired May 28, 2016. I chose this clip because it talks about the mind and also gives us a preview of what we'll be talking about next week.
1: One of the things I share with you guys is that, you know, so I've had the opportunity to study human behavior, Under master coaches, I have my own certification as a coach. And this is what I'll share with you guys, that in the end, all of the methodologies of life coaching come down to one truth. And this truth is that you create your world. You create your world. We are responsible for the worlds that we create. Now, a lot of people, I've said this before on the show, and people like call in and say, no, man, you know, my circumstance, my situation – But at the end of the day, our thoughts about that circumstance, our attitude about that, our perceptions about that have a lot to do with the world we live in because our world is created by our attitudes and our world is created by our perceptions. And most importantly, our world is created by our thoughts. And you can find all types of books on this. I mean, James Allen wrote the book As a Man Thinketh. If you haven't read that, you want to check it out. It's a pretty quick read. Earl Nightingale called it The Strangest Secret. And basically, if you read The Strangest Secret or listen to any of the audio, all he's saying is, as a man thinketh. Same thing James Allen was saying. And one of my favorite quotes by Henry Ford is a quote where he says, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And remember, Keyword: Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. So it's all about what you think. You are what you think about. So you might say, well, "Okay, Linnell, you're telling me I am what I think about." But what's the secret to mastering my mind? And the secret to mastering your mind is your ability to control your inputs. Your ability to control. Your inputs, your inputs influence your thinking. So let me give you an example. If you input sad music, you think sad thoughts. Okay. If I start playing some sad lullabies on the radio, some of you all will go back to sad moments where you heard that song before, you know, that's what sad music does. It's an input. And so Your ability to control your inputs is your ability to master your mind. If you put something inspirational in your mind, you think inspirational thoughts. That's one of the reasons you guys tune in every Saturday, right? Because you know if you come here, you get inspired, you think inspirational thoughts. Hey, and it works the same way for everything. If you input pictures of food, you will think hungry thoughts. You could have just eaten. You could have a full stomach and then see something on television that looks appetizing. You go, man, I could have some of that. Why? Because it's an input. All of a sudden it hits your brain and you think, I want some of that. It's the inputs. And what I share with the students is that the mind is one of the most amazing computers known to man. And because of this, there's a war going on for your mind. And if you don't believe me, Watch this. And I've done this on the show before, and I did this at the speech. But when I say just do it, just do it, what does that mean? It's a slogan, and right away you think a brand. Right away you think a brand. Or if I say what's in your wallet, what's in your wallet, especially if I say it like that, right away you think another brand. Or if I say melts in your mouth, not in your hand. These are all slogans that because we watch them over and over again on television, If I say them right away, it brings the brand to mind. Why? Because they've learned how to put inputs into your brain to control what you think. Because they know how powerful the mind can be. And they don't want you to think for yourself. These are exact words I told them. They don't want you creating tremendous possibility for your community. And what they would want is for you to graduate, for them to graduate, And go get a decent job. You might say, well, Linnell, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that is you can go get a decent job and then spend the rest of your life being entertained. You know, basically go to work, come home, watch TV, go to work, come home, watch TV, go to work, come home, watch TV. You're not making a difference. You're not living on purpose. You're not living a fulfilled life. Because a job doesn't make you feel fulfilled. If it did, then we have a lot less depressed people walking around.
0: So the secret to mastering your mind is in your inputs. I saw this clip on Facebook today where Saul Williams was on the Breakfast Club. He was talking about how your diet isn't only what you eat. It's what you watch. It's what you read. It's what you listen to. So he's mindful of his inputs and how it affects his artistry. This is the secret to mastering our minds. And like Linnell said, your inputs influence your thoughts and your thoughts influence the world. Well, all right, Chicago, it's been a privilege. Thanks for listening. For those who haven't done it yet, go to the Inspirational Perspective Facebook page and like the page. Follow Linnell Harris on social media at Linnell Harris. That's L I N A L Harris. You can find him on Periscope, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with that handle. We appreciate you. And if this show made a difference for you, please tell others to listen. Until next time, have a wonderful evening. Thanks for listening to Inspirational Perspective on WVON 1690 AM, The Talk of Chicago.